Happy Thursday, party people. How are you? Hope you're doing well. So I wanted to talk about the concept of sitting on your hands, right? I like to advocate that it's your job as a pro to learn to play superior defense. Most amateurs come to the market thinking about how much money they're going to make and they see nothing but dollar signs popping out of their eyes. And you know, when you go to bed at night, that it's really, you know, what you get to keep is a lot to do with how few and how small your losses are. So today, we talk about sitting on your hands. Normally, I speak about sitting on your hands when you're in a, you use a, a cup and handle pattern, you catch the breakout and, and all this, there's a little retracement and you catch the next breakout, da, 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 you can cheat a little bit, get in a little earlier if you want. I mean, that's all tastes and preferences. You can probably simulate that. And then as the market moves in your favor when you're long, you know, I like to advocate letting the market do all the work. Sit on your hands, let the profits run. But now in the market environment that we're in here, which is choppy at best, you know, for equities, some of you feel like the market's pulled back enough and the names that you held a month ago are going to be the names that you see in the recovery. And that may very well not be the case. And in fact, I'm going to guess it isn't going to be the case. And even if I'm wrong, it keeps me objective. So take the fangs and the four horsemen and all the stuff that you were in, you know, the Alibabas and the Microsofts and the Apples and the Netflix and the Zoom and take them off your screen. Because if you're keeping them there, you're kind of waiting for that dog that ran away to come home. And the dog might have gotten hit by a car, sorry to say. Um, might might have been abducted by another family. And I know that that's kind of hard language and a hard analogy to hear, but you have to be that promiscuous with your thought to cut ties and say, I don't know this is the case. Everyone still loves Apple as if Steve Jobs is still kind of running the place. It seems people are anticipating a meeting in October where they're going to discuss their 5G stuff. Well, guess what? The company could still flop. They could still drop a bomb here and mishandle everything. And you have to be that objective. So trying to jump the gun fulfills an emotional need, but not necessarily a financial one. So as I'm saying here, sit on your hands, wait. A big rally in a downward trending market is a sucker's bet to get back in. So this case, sitting on your hands can preclude you from acting like a bonehead and committing capital when the downward move isn't done. And to me, it's an amateur move to sit and to think that you see a rally in a downtrend market and think, stocks are back, baby. Uh-uh. You might be hoarding a bunch of cash. You have to get emotionally comfortable with doing that because there's definitely times to be fully long and to be a pig and maybe to be 200% invested. Um, my guess is now is not the time to do that, but you know, suit yourself, see how it feels. And then look at your results. You'll get a very clear understanding of, of your ability by looking at your P&L. My advice is, if you're a long-only trader, get, get used to sitting on your hands. Get used to having an itchy trigger, trigger finger without having the need to pull the trigger. Because again, you might be doing nothing at this period of time, maybe through the end of the year, certainly through the election, you might do it, nothing but harvest losses. And so... It very well could be the case if you're a long-only equity trader 
that you made your money in the first three quarters and that Q4 is going to be a wash or a give back, meaning all you do is lose money. So one way you can handle this is to say, okay, where are we? We're, we're whatever, mid to late September, closing Q3. See where you are. What's your equity for the year? Chances are you're up. Congrats. Now, how much of those realized gains, if you're in cash, are you willing to risk to make certain trades now? Because then you can create a puke point where you say, all right, I'm up 75% for the year. I'm up 15% for the year. To me, the numbers are irrelevant because a lot of it comes down to did you use leverage, you know, and what kind of trading style you have. So the numbers, you can't compare one to the other and say 75 is better than 15, right? Because you have to be able to live a life and not want to jump off the roof of, the, of where you live by carrying monster risk overnight if it's not suitable for you. Two, if you're carrying big risk and you made a lot of money, at the early part, it's hard to tell if you have skill or if you have luck. So if you do have gains and you're trying to build a track record, I can share with you it's very good to be able to close the year and say, you know, you've made money, especially if you're outperforming the market. So you can take a look and say, okay, I have XYZ in term, in percentage-wise in terms of total return, meaning net of losses. And I know I'm up. 60% and I know that I want to be up 50 worst case by the end of the year. So now you have 10 percentage points in terms of your returns that you can use, right? Because now it's your money. And think about committing that as risk, chopping that up a bunch of times saying, okay, if I have 10% in rate of return, then I'm willing to risk in order to finish the year at plus 50 you can haircut it and say, I'm actually going to risk only eight. I'm at 60, so I'm going to finish 52. Plus, I got to add in some slippage and skid. That'll probably work against me, so I have 8%. If I break that up into quarter point risk units, you have whatever that is, 32 trades that you can make between now and the end of the year, where if you do nothing but lose money on those eight, you're done. Even if you're coming into Halloween, even if you're done... Before Thanksgiving, you're just going to take the rest of the year off because your goal at that point is to finish the year plus 50. That can mean a lot in your marketing. So for those of you who are trying to build a track record and go out there and hump around and find other allocators or people who can give you you know, money to trade for an incentive fee, that's a nice number to have. So if you don't and you can't sit on your hands emotionally, Look into that behavior and what's compelling you. What do you think you're missing out on if you've already had a really good year? What do you think is going to happen between now and the presidential election, for example, that you're going to miss out on? That you know of? Because really most of it's guesswork. Let's face it. No one can say for sure. Human beings suck at best at predicting the future. So think about it. You can build a plan around it. Then, of course, you have to stick to the plan. But there is a way to do it 
in a way that uh, can't do any real lasting damage to your P&L. Because your P&L is a statement about your behavior. Your behavior predicts where you end up. And it also gives allocators an idea of what are you going to do to preserve their capital and or their gains. And there's nothing wrong with saying if you're a discretionary chart reader saying I was up a lot coming through the first three quarters in the calendar year. And there were certain limited opportunities when the market turned, you know, turned around and sold off in September. So I kind of proceeded with a lot of trepidation. I did not want to give back my gains, but I knew that if I saw my setup, I had to take the trade. The problem is, is that when you're in a downtrend, sometimes all the stocks go down, even if they're very, very strong, even if they have high relative strength. It's just the nature of markets. And I didn't want to give back all my gains. My job is to always play superior defense. Doesn't mean I can't take smart chances, but the only way I could do that was by cutting my position size way back because of the nature of the environment that we were in. You know, that tells the allocator quite a lot a bit about you. Then you have to stick to it and demonstrate that that's exactly what you did. You can't say it and say, well, my original thought was to do this, but then I was taking, you know, 200 basis point losses of which I only have four if I'm looking to risk 8% of my capital so that I finish plus 50 or above plus 50 for the year. So, again, it all comes down to focus and clarity, you know, and setting goals around your behavior. That predicts where you end up. If you'd like a free copy of the Inner Voice of Trading audiobook, go help yourself. It's at Martin Chronicle. I'd love to give it to you. It's free. It's on me. Help you with your journey. Any questions, you can reach out by email. I'm happy to help you. Wish you a great rest of your day, and I'll see you tomorrow.